Hello and welcome to the CGF podcast. My name is Louise Chester. I work in the communications team at the Consumer Goods Forum and this is the latest episode in our second season of the podcast where we delve behind the scenes of our work and we share our thoughts on the challenges facing our industry, the planet and its people. The Consumer Goods Forum is a CEO-led organization that helps the world's retailers and consumer goods manufacturers to collaborate alongside other key stakeholders to secure consumer trust and drive positive change. For our second episode of the year, I have the pleasure of speaking to Marianne de Bock-Smith. Where to begin with introducing this lady? Marianne has been a close friend and partner to the CGF for many years, working with us on GFSI, SSCI, and the end-to-end value chain initiative. But her actual real job is as the founder and owner of Sim Supply Chain and the managing partner of her new company, Impact Buying. She's really a force to be reckoned with in the industry, and I'm so looking forward to getting her insights today. You're in for a treat. Hello, Marianne. Thank you very much for joining me today on the CGF podcast. How are you doing? I'm fine, Louise. Thank you. And thank you for having me on this podcast. No worries at all. I'm very intrigued to to find out more about your opinions on all of these topics we're going to dive into. So I wanted to start with, with quite a broad one, but it's an interesting one. So, and I think it links very directly to your work. So we know that nowadays retailers and manufacturers have access to such a great deal of data which enables them to find out where their products are produced and where their raw materials and packaging have come from. And this year at our Sustainable Retail Summit, which always takes place in October each year, we've decided that we want to really look at whether consumers care about having access to this level of information. What is your opinion on this, Marianne? It's good that the uh, retail summit, the sustainable retail summit, will take this. It's the chicken and the egg discussion. And when you are a consumer that really cares, that has values, uh, that comes out of every study that you can read about the changing consumers uh, around the world, uh, the chicken and the egg discussion, uh, according to me, Louise, is that If they care, they step into a supermarket and they look at the shelves, that the data to give them an informed discussion is not there. So uh, with the uh, different tests that uh, we did with some of our retail customers where we have placed a uh, access to information, in, in this case it was a QR code, on the packaging, we could actually monitor how many unique uh, consumers were actively looking for the information. And it showed, Louise, that they, they, they do care. And uh, our learnings also brought us that it very much depending on the type of product. So uh, consumers that are caring and, and, and buy according to their values obviously uh, represent certain product groups. So uh, by our surprise, we see for example, in, in eggs, where we uh, w- have the possibility for consumers to, for every egg, check w- what is the farmer, how was the uh, 
the the chicken that 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 was related to that egg where was it living uh, what food did it get that uh in in uh the take on on how many consumers looked actually at the information it's super high and it stays super high even without any support so coming back on your uh, your question that this will be a topic at the Re- uh, Responsible Retail Summit, I think it's a good thing because we have to move from uh, talking about consumers to l- allowing consumers to make an informed decision when they are in front of the shelf at the supermarket. Mm, it's very interesting because, I mean, I can see well within myself and the people around me family and friends that there is a lot of frustration about that people don't want to feel as if they are um you know supporting modern slavery or unethical practices but they just don't really know where to look and there's also a lot of misinformation out there you see many articles on social media popping up um so yes people it does seem that consumers don't quite know what to believe so that leads me to the next question we we've established that we need as an industry to start equipping consumers with reliable facts so how how can technology help to get the data from the farmer and bring it to the consumer when they're picking the product literally off the shelf to get the data and uh, to use technology to transfer that data into information and storytelling to a consumer, two things. So shortly, um, getting the data depends very much on your procurement policy, to be honest, because in in uh, reality, not all uh, contracts contain the request to for the supplier to unleash the, the data and to make the supply chain transparent. So that is one of the issues, or there's not a contract at all. So um it's like a hygiene factor right? you you if if you want data from your supplier you need to have your uh your contract with that supplier in place or that agreement and um then there is the second challenge in in order to get the data that for some products it's relatively easy and for some products some commodities where there are large traders in between uh getting to the farms is difficult could be by the nature of the product. So if you look at, at um, commodities like palm oil or commodities like uh, coca, where a lot of smallholders uh, contribute to uh, the bigger mass that it is also uh, mixed up in big tanks, you can just imagine, Louise, how hard that must be for, um, for the traders in between and for the, for the cooperatives to get track and trace uh, a specific batch back to a individual farmer. So here are some challenges. Can technology help? Yes, I am really sure technology will change the way we do business uh, in a short period of time. I can relate that to the experience that we've built in the last two and a half years with uh, the distributed ledger and, and blockchain technology. I don't know if blockchain will be the, there in, in, in the future, but what we learned with distributed ledger is that every actor in the chain, which I would like to call facility, every facility that plays a role in a supply chain, could also be a farmer, 
um, that if they um, have the possibility to unlock their, what I would call legacy data, uh, to unlock their data to the other actor. So let's say a farmer unlocking the data to the cooperative, cooperative unlocking the data to the trader, trader unlocking the data to the bottler or to the producer and the producer or bottler unlocking the data to the retailer or the brand. Um, if you if you look on, on the two and a half years of experience in the behavior of every actor in the chain when they have the control of what to share with who uh, and, and technology that enables that, uh, we see a big potential in in the possibility to let data travel with the product through the supply chain. So yes, Louise, I think technology will be the game changer um, uh, in the very near future. It will not take a lot of time because it's quite a natural thing. So Marianne, what, what do you think that the challenges are for companies to, to get hold of this data as we know that it often exists in silos. And I'm, I'm asking this question because I, I know that you've been working very hard with the CGF's end-to-end value chain initiative to launch a project called True Code. Obviously, you can speak more to this, but I know that this project addresses these challenges and directly helps companies to bring the data together. So please do tell me more. That's, uh, thank you for, for that question because it allows me to explain the true code a little bit better. Um, I just explained uh, about the, the experience that we've built up where every individual actor of the, the chain uh, has a chance to decide what to share with who. And uh, being in the middle of that project um, and being part of the end-to-end value chain uh, steering committee, uh, we saw the necessity to have a better ed- identification of every facility uh, and every actor in the chain. And we, we for this uh, podcast, please let us stick to the word facility. So uh, Rudy Hagendorn, the uh, director of the end-to-end value chain, uh, saw the same problem. And you know, when you want to the one actor change, uh, exchanging the data with the other actor, you need to know that it's genuine and that you can trust the the that that the, the data you receive is truly from that facility. So uh, we uh, looked at existing codes that are out there to identify every facility, uh, including the the farms that we mean with it. And we found that there was not a real um, a scalable uh, system out there or, or structure out there uh, by uh, allowing every facility to identify themselves. And that's why we set up the true code. And uh, with this, this new technology coming up, allowing this distributed approach where every facility uh, plays a role in a supply chain and has data we need to in the end inform the consumer, we need identification. And this is the true code where uh, every facility uh, receives a uh, code and a facility passport uh, that can or cannot be verified. It's the choice of every facility. And uh, where we have found 
um, uh, a way, and we tested it already, to make also data silos interoperable. Because if you have identified the facility uh, once and you have one unique number per facility, it opens up for this distributed world to uh, for every uh, facility to exchange his uh, data from one silo to the other. I know it sounds technical. There's more to come. We're in the middle of, of testing it to see if we can do it for free. Uh, it's very interesting for traders also that do not want to share all their data because we, from the start, took the idea that uh, the facility passport should gain, uh, uh, should contain um, both public data, which is very limited, and private data that they own themselves and uh, they are the ones to decide who, where to open it up for. So we... Uh, um, let's say, facilitate uh, traders who do not want to share their sensitive information, but uh, when they want to, they can do and they decide who to see what. It sounds like such an interesting project that's hopefully going to be one of the kind of final pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to to unlock this um, th this whole issue and drive progress in the industry. So I, I don't want to linger too much on the negative, but I, I do think it's quite important to look at the barriers just to moving forwards so that we can find that pathway forwards. Um, so do you, do you have an opinion on whether there are other barriers to success on the issue of sustainability for our industry? What's holding us back? The biggest barrier, as I see it, Louise, is the fact that uh, the, there is not a real integration of all the sustainability goals of companies with their buying practices. And that is really a problem by, by getting really things done, getting really things moving. Uh, this is also what you hear when you interview uh, the, the buyers. And I did many interviews with them uh, to understand why uh, if all the data is there, if they can really see which supplier is, is performing well, where the issues are, that they don't take it into account with their uh, conversation with their uh, supplier. And then I ask them, do you really care about, you know, we, a recent example is the, the, the slavery circumstances on, on the tomato, the canned tomatoes. And the buyer I spoke with says, "Yes, it's it's horrible to to be uh, to be reading that, but I'm sorry, we we are in a kind of devil's dilemma. Uh, the prices are under pressure. Uh, consumers choose on price. Uh, if I don't squeeze the supplier, uh, and and all my competitors do, I have to put the the product on the shelf for a higher price, and consumers are not willing to pay." Actually, that brings us back to uh, the, to your first question. You know, it's a chicken and the egg discussion. But it is a barrier to really be successful in in having uh, the data we need. Uh, because if we if we talk about data we need, we need to define what do we need, and and these answers have to come from the suppliers. And if buyers do not know how to impose the question, if buyers are not incentivized by uh, asking the questions and go for impact. So 
I'm even talking about, you know, going beyond compliance. It, it, in the end, it's the uh, buyer who uh, negotiates with their uh, supplier. So they are the ones asking the questions. And uh, as for now, uh, Louise, unfortunately, the majority of the retailers and brands, uh, and of course, there are beautiful exceptions, but but the mainstream still uh, does the incentivizing uh, of buyers based on margin. I understand, you know, that's the other angle. I understand CEOs and, and CPOs, because if you look at their investors, if you look at consumer behavior at this moment in time, where price seemed to be the only um, one that, that, that keeps the consumer loyal to the, to the brand. I can understand that, that incentives to buyers uh, are, are given on, on price mainly. But that is a barrier to change because if we don't integrate that in the, uh, procurement policies, we will never move. Mm, yeah. It seems to be an issue that runs deep. So let's, um, let's switch gears and talk about innovation. Um, it's clearly, it's a, this is clearly a field, sustainability, where innovation is happening at a really impressive speed. We've already touched upon some of the technologies there. Could you talk a little bit about the emerging trends that you see and perhaps your predictions for the next few years? Yes, there is a lot of innovation happening that could really uh, help the CGF members to uh, to adapt to this uh, new group of consumers that want to know more and want to be able to buy according to their values. It is coming. And uh, if we solve this chicken and the egg situation, uh, this will change the, the, the way uh, we do business with our supply chains. So the, the, the whole... You know, the, the buyer negotiating with the supplier, the supplier negotiating with their supplier. So there is, is uh, a lot of innovation coming and technology can play a role. We already talked about distributed ledger, but um, I'm also talking about satellites, drones, the possibilities for uh, consumers with their apps and their phones uh, to find products that uh, are bought according to their values that tell the real story. Maybe not, you know, all the, 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 the facts are beautiful, but tell the real story. Um, maybe also allow the consumer to have a direct impact on the lives of, of the farmers. I mean, we are testing the tip to farmer and, and, and all these kind of concepts because if you, uh, have the data, you know, the actors in the chain, this is also one of the innovations that uh, could help retailers and brands uh, to keep the prices low, uh, but to allow the consumers that care to give one cent or uh, two cents extra on a product. So I think the future is bright, uh, Louise, both for retailers and brands and for uh, the consumers who uh, say that they care. Well, okay, then the technology in, in within a short period of time will allow them to put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it does fit in exactly with what, it, what I was saying earlier about there being a frustration from the, from the side of the consumer who I, I do think, okay, obviously not everyone, but many people, a growing number of people would be willing to pay that little bit more if they really trusted that um, and were assured that 
there was a good reason behind paying that extra and it wasn't just marketing on the on the packaging telling them that that it's it's more ethical and also having trust in the certification schemes too which goes back to the work of of ssci because there are certain certification schemes that are more well known and it's almost because they have a consumer facing marketing strategy anyway i don't want to di diverge too much off topic but it's it's very interesting how everything that we've talked about fits together perfectly so my final question and it's one that i like to ask everybody who comes on the podcast it's a bit more of a personal one so what marianne keeps you inspired and motivated to keep doing the job that you're doing and jumping out of bed in the morning it's nice to to have that personal uh, question at the end, uh, Louise, because uh, ten and a half years ago, uh, when I when I started Sim, it, because I was traveling around the world, because I saw the positive impact that buying power and leverage can have on factory owners who maybe don't really care about the environment or uh, social circumstances, but they just make the change because there's something in it for them. And uh, this what's in it for me question uh, is super powerful. And um, the, the strong belief that retailers and brands with their leverage can change uh, lives of people and the environment made me uh, active for the CGF because I believe, you know, with the good people around uh, the CGF office with, with the real genuine drive to make a change uh, this is the right place to be so that's why i do the work here uh, beside of of the the let's say the uh, the purpose driven entrepreneurship that i was doing and this this uh, this this deep belief uh, of of leverage making a difference is also my deepest disappointment uh, and it sounds silly maybe because uh, Sim is is super successful, and we deliver the data, and it's it's growing, and and you know it's 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 actually something to be proud of. But still, I'm I feel very frustrated that even though with all the data, with high data quality, timely, accurate, complete, mapped supply chain, transparency, new technology, still the uh, the, the 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 goal that I had in setting up Sim is not reached because of the topic that I, I mentioned in this podcast, that uh, in the end, the negotiations are only about price. Uh, so uh, I didn't want to set up, we, we didn't want to set up a new company, uh, Impact Buying, that that is really focusing on that. But we did because the drive that gets me out of bed every morning is that the leverage can make a positive impact of lives of people and the environment. And I believe in that and I will not stop working and I hopefully have another 16 years to go. I'm 54, so I want to work if the industry allows me until I'm 70. Uh, I will not stop working uh, before looking back on my working life that I've tried everything possible to make that happen. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Marianne. If I can just take this opportunity to thank you for being such a wonderful partner and cheerleader for us at the CGF. And thank you for taking the time to have such an inspiring and interesting conversation with me today. I feel as if we could continue for three more hours, but we can't. So thank you. Uh, thank you for the, for the interesting 
questions, uh, Louise, very well prepared. And uh, yes, let's, uh, let's keep in touch. And uh, thank you again for the possibility to share these thoughts. If you would like to find out more about the Consumer Goods Forum and some of the key projects that we talked about on today's episode, you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon. Thank you for listening and bye for now.